Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What up, TCK Potters? Welcome back to the program. I'm your host, Sky Guasco. This is episode 382 of the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast, aka TCK Pod. On the show today, once again, my good friend Jonathan Rifkin. You can find him on Twitter at his name, Jonathan Rifkin. Jonathan, first name, last name, Rifkin, R I F K I N D. Jonathan and I go way back uh, in multiple uh, hats in the industry. We also co-host the Ryan D. Leaf Show, hashtag RDL Show, with the one and only Ryan Leaf. You can catch us Monday, Wednesday, Fridays from 1230 to 130 Pacific Standard Time for all-encompassing sports talk show. You can find us on YouTube, also Believe Network podcast, and social medias as well. On this show, though, as you're used to, we're talking fantasy football, and today we are breaking down the rookie wide receiver prospects we've already done the quarterbacks we've already done the running backs if you didn't catch those from last week make sure you tune back to 380 and 381 we'll also be doing the tight ends and a quick fantasy relevant mock draft as well coming up on the next episode without any further ado though let's welcome in jonathan jonathan great to have you back buddy yeah man happy to be here close the day out yesterday with tck we're opening a new one a new day with tck i love it couldn't be happier to do this. My man, very excited to have you back. All right, bro, let's jump right into this. We got a lot of names to cover at the wide receiver position. Again, we did quarterbacks, we did running backs. Wide receiver at the rookie position for a long time did not have an immediate fantasy impact, at least. Uh, very few wide receivers. Let's, let's dial back maybe 10, 15 years ago. Not many rookie wide receivers came into the league right away and made a huge dent in the league. Obviously, Randy Moss, Odell Beckham, some others. But nowadays, well, nowadays, talking about now, okay, yeah, nowadays everything's changed. You get a rookie wide receiver in the first round, the second round, they can come in day one and start to compete. Now, uh, Justin Jefferson didn't actually become Justin Jefferson until about week three or four, so technically, he wasn't even who he became. Brandon Ayuk, some of these guys, CD Lamb spiked early, but that got hurt and he kind of fell off. Jerry Judy was kind of fumbling, literally you know, drops all season long. DK Metcalf took a, took a while. AJ Brown last year, two years ago, took a while to catch on as well. Debo Samuel hit or miss as well. So these guys have a lot of potential. We see the spikes in what they're able to contribute to a team, but it's not necessarily right away. That being said, last year's draft class was the best since that incredible 2014 draft class. And we saw those guys jump in right away and have a, uh, positive right. impact for the most part this draft class at least at the top is feeling the same as well so like we did in quarterbacks and running backs we're going to talk about the first couple of guys on a on a kind of an individual basis break them down and then we're going to start grouping by three or four at a time to knock out the rest of the guys let's start here at the top and in my opinion kind of the consensus wide receiver one across the board in this draft class for a while after he won the Heisman Trophy it was Devonta Smith but since we've kind of brought back the tape from 2019, started diving into everybody after the college football season, Jamar Chase from LSU has jumped up to the top at this point. Six foot, 208 pounds, opted out of 2020 due to COVID, like many players have, if we discussed this. Uh, the Fred Blitnikoff Award winner in 2019 as a sophomore. As a sophomore, he was named the best wide receiver in the nation at LSU with the Blitnikoff Award. He outpaced his teammate Justin Jefferson at the time, who again goes to the Vikings, exploded last year, broke all sorts of Randy Moss's records at Minnesota. 80 catches, 1,780 yards, and 20 touchdowns as a sophomore with that incredible national title team with LSU and Joe Burrow and everybody else. Again, didn't play last year. Is that a concern for you with Chamar Chase up at the top? No, I think that like, look, everybody that's evaluating him is talking about and we'll talk about Jalen Waddle here in a second. But the guy missed most of the season, too. Right. He broke his foot, I think. Um, so you're talking about the top two guys who are being talked about as transcended talents who didn't play most of the season. Jamar Chase opted out because of coronavirus, wanted to save himself for the NFL draft. Um, and at the end of the day, LSU didn't really have a quarterback to throw him the ball anyways over the course of last year. So I think it was – and he knew that. So everybody was sitting there and they were uh, they were looking down on him, we'll say, because LSU fans are very passionate um, and sometimes they take decisions like this personally. Um, 
But Jamar Chase made a decision that ended up being better for him. And if you look again at LSU season, he wasn't going to save it. He wasn't going to be the difference maker that brought this team to an SEC championship game uh, or even to like a college football playoff appearance. His role in the NFL is going he's going to be a wide receiver one. I th- and, and I don't think that his expectations are any less and we shouldn't expect any less from him because he is by far and away the best wide receiver in this draft. Most well-rounded like most consistent that we've seen since the onset stepping onto the field. Um, and again, yes, he had Joe Burrow. I know that he, Joe Burrow is one of the the rare college football quarterbacks that truly elevates the talent around him. But like you mentioned before, like Jamar Chase was an intricate part of, or an, a very important part of that college football national championship team. Um, and so I think that he sort of carved his own place as a transcendent talent from that school. And, uh, and I think in terms of fantasy, redrafter or dynasty, I think a dynasty value for Chase is incredibly high. I mean, incredibly high. But truthfully, like even in redraft, like he, depending on where he goes, we talk about this all the time, Sky, right? Situation matters. Scheme matters. And for Chase, I think that he's going to be heavily utilized no matter where he goes. But uh, if he's a wide receiver one in a in a place where you trust the offensive line to give the quarterback enough time to throw him the ball, this guy's going to be T. Higgins-esque um, for, as a rookie, I think. I really do. He could honestly be like Justin Jefferson. Um, and I think that that's a scary comp for a lot of a lot of people to think about. And that makes him very valuable. So I'm very high on Jamar Chase. We're going to jump into a mock draft on the next episode. So I'm not going to spill all my beans. But for this for this take of him being a bona fide wide receiver one, it's all about landing spot. We have we have preached that on the last two episodes. We'll continue to do it because for rookies, it's so important where they land, scheme, coaching, other talent around them, quarterback, whatever. If I have him right now mocked to the Dolphins, Jamar Chase, if he goes to the if he goes to the Dolphins, he's got Tua question marks. I think a lot of potential, but question marks. They just brought in Will Fuller, who's already the the burner. He's out week one, but he's the burner. They also have Devontae Parker, who, you know, spiked two years ago, right? All of a sudden, after five years, they also have Mike Kosicki and some other weapons. So can he be the true one right away in that system that would probably, I would say no, if he goes to the Dolphins specifically. If he ends up on, like, the Eagles or another team that needs him right away, then I absolutely believe that he could be the number one. But on a team Specific, like the Dolphins specifically where I have him going, I don't see him being the number one right away. Now, Justin Jefferson was also not the number one out of the gate. That's obviously Adam Thielen, but week three, week four, Adam Thielen gets hurt. Justin Jefferson comes up and he's Stephon Diggs. And then some for the rest of the season, he becomes that number one for Kirk Cousins in a run first offense. So the scheme itself in Minnesota didn't hurt Justin Jefferson. Jamar Chase could potentially overcome that as well. I agree. And everybody's talking about how Cincinnati should draft him, right? Um, I don't think that Cincinnati's in the market for a wide receiver right now. Not in the, not in the first round, not when Panea Sewell, a transcendent tackle, who you are going to need, not necessarily Panea Sewell, but a tackle to protect Joe Burrow when he comes back from a tragic injury. Um, and it's his weak side, no less, right? Like, it doesn't matter who you have at quarterback. A.J. Green when he was healthy on the field was very good, but he seldom got the football because it was impossible to protect the quarterback. And I think in that offense, like they need protection. So everybody talking about how Joe Burrow is pitching Jamar chase uh, to the Bengals and all this, you know, all this other stuff. It's a fun dream to think about. I don't think that it's in the Bengals best interest right now to invest in a wide receiver in the first round. When I think that we have come to understand number one, that, John Ross or not John Ross. John Ross is gone. Tyler Boyd and uh and T Higgins are a pretty solid duo in the and Joe Burrow is a phenomenal quarterback. We'll see if but they need to protect him. Um and they'll go get another quarter or another wide receiver rather later in this draft. Um and I do agree with you it's going to be Philadelphia Miami probably. But I can also see Detroit if 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 he falls yep. to Detroit at 7. Um I just don't see him falling place. that far. That's all. I, I have I agree. But look, I have De- Devonta Smith or yeah. Jalen Waddle. Like the other guys would fall a little bit further. I think Jamar Chase is just the most pro ready right now. We're gonna talk about the other two in a second here, but I, I don't. I just don't see him falling that far. That's yeah. the only reason I don't have him mocked. But yes, if he, you know, the, the Lions are picking, the Lions are picking a, a wide receiver at you know their first pick as well. 
Yeah, I mean, you can't go wrong. I I, I can't wait. To, I just want to see what Jared Goff is going to look like in that offense. That, that's yeah. really what I'm interested in. It'll, it'll be interesting. Obviously, they got, you know, they got emptied out here with Kenny Galladay, Marvin right. Jones. We'll see what Quintus Sivas can do. Um, another point on Jamar Chase, and we'll move on. Uh, Auden Tate, who is not somebody that many fans know about in Cincinnati, uh, but he's 6'5". Um, he's the biggest wide receiver on the team. He battled big-time injuries last year. Uh, which really tainted his season. However, when A.J. Green didn't pan out after a few games, when Auden Tate was healthy, he's an absolute beast, straight up. I mean, I picked him – the only reason I even know about him is I, I picked him up off waivers in fantasy football just as like, eh, we'll see what happens. A.J. Green's not really panning out, like whatever, in a dynasty league. And he had like a four-game stretch where he was catching eight balls a game, 80 yards, touchdowns, and he's a big-body target. Right. They may not – need Jamar Chase or somebody else, right? Like Kyle Pitts is also in that conversation for Cincinnati. We've talked about it at nauseum on the RDL show about the offensive tackle for Joe Burrow. The question with the, you know, the talking heads in the industry that I hear though, outside of fantasy football for fantasy football, everybody wants Kyle Pitts or Jamar Chase to go to the Bengals because it's more fun in NFL terms. The talking point is if they went that direction, which they still could, they have a lot. I mean, the 49ers are the most interesting of the draft, but then the Falcons and the Bengals, three of those top five picks are going to change the entire draft, in my opinion. Um, and the Bengals, if they go skill position, Jamar Chase or Kyle Pitts, they could get a solid offensive tackle at the back of the first round, the second round. The question is going to be, is Panay Sewell out of Oregon or uh, Rashawn Slater out of Northwestern, are they – far and away the two best tackles or can Cincinnati afford to get an a minus tackle in the second round and get an a plus Kyle pitcher, Jamar chase. I understand the reasoning of protecting Joe Burrow. I get all that. Uh, but in their mindset, these are talents that maybe you can't pass up on is Panay Sewell who opted out also in 2020 over Sean Slater. Are those guys able to be quote unquote replaced later on with an A-minus tackle potentially and going to get one of these incredible uh, talents up at the top. Yeah, I mean, they can. They can. There are absolutely a, a plethora of possibilities that would allow in a later round for the Bengals to go and pick up somebody that could potentially cover or uh, protect Joe Burrow. The problem is, is that, that, that that's a potential, right? Like we're not talking about uh, a sure thing. And you're not going to get closer. Like, tackles are pretty interchangeable. Look what happened in Kansas City this year, right? Like, they cut both of their best offensive tackles after the season. The two guys that were injured and couldn't play in uh, – Schwartz was one of them. I forgot the other one. He had the long last name. I don't know if you remember. Um, but, um, but like, the reason that that happens is because they realize they owe these guys a bunch of money – and they can go out and they can do what they need to do with Pat Mahomes and the rest of the skill players with cheaper offensive tackles. That's why these guys were released. And so tackles, it seems like, even if you're really good, they're pretty interchangeable. With that being said, to have a young guy who can come in and you can literally build around in the offensive line is incredibly rare. And Panea Sewell fits that bill of like a transcendent, like we're talking about, like, we have there. Are, Trevor Lawrence is a transcendent talent. We have a sure thing in Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, Justin Fields might have a higher ceiling, right? But we know that Trevor Lawrence is going to be the best guy to step on the field at his position as a rookie. Same with probably depending on, but like depending on what um, situation he's in. Same with Jamar Chase, right? Like he is probably the most pro ready. You said it yourself, right? Wide receiver. To me, this is the same conversation um, at tackle with Panea Sewell he's going to be the best rookie to step onto the field. <laughs> and if you're Cincinnati, like why take the risk on maybe potentially getting protection when you know you're going to get protection from Panay? Yeah. And then you can go get another wide receiver. I'm on, you know, like there's a million of them from rounds two to five that like you can plug and play. Go get two of them later on if you want. But I think T. Higgins, I truly believe like T. Higgins would still be the number one in Cincinnati when Jamar Chase was, was drafted. So would and be this also, year, yeah. The only worry for me is I know everybody talks about Atlanta wanting um, a quarterback. They could also – look, they're picking second pick in the second round, I believe, which means that there's going to be, you know, a 
potentially a Davis Mills on the board. There's going to be a potentially a Kellen Mond or even Mac Jones. If for some reason, just like some boards have him going that low, right? So Atlanta could pick Jamar Chase or they could even pick Panay Sewell. So that for me is like, okay, Cincinnati is betting on Atlanta taking a, 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 a quarterback to have those options. But if they don't, and if they take Chase or if they take, take Panay Sewell, that's going to change the dynamic of that spot that's being picked at and also the rest of the draft after because now it's going to scramble a lot of the placements for these players. So I think Atlanta is sort of a wild card at four. They could also trade that spot. Like, we have no idea. They If they trade that spot, that also messes things up. So yep. um, I who knows if Sewell or Chase is even going to be there for Cincinnati at five. That's all I'm, I'm thinking about with this. But um, both guys are transcendent talents at their own positions. Fair enough. Uh, just to get it out of the way, because you know this stuff bugs me, Eric Fisher and Mitchell Schwartz, the two Eric Kansas Fisher. City Chiefs tackles. Yep. Technically, there is some rumblings I heard, I think, yesterday. They could actually bring them back, right? Like they they were injured and they cut bait for the, you know opening roster spots. It didn't work out in the Super Bowl, obviously, but they could potentially bring them back as well. Maybe not starters at this point, but depth pieces. They'll definitely be drafting uh, some offensive linemen in the in the draft there for the Chiefs. Okay, Jamar Chase, Jamar Chase up at the top here. Let's go to the Alabama teammates. Let's kind of just uh, pair these two like we did with the North Carolina running backs, uh, Jalen Waddle and Devonta Smith. So we'll start with Jalen Waddle first here. 5'10, 180. SEC Special Teams Player of the Year in 2019. That's a big deal, and I'll get into that in just a little bit. Very fast, deep threat, obviously. Um, more versatile than Henry Ruggs, who went as the first wide receiver off the board to the Raiders in 2020. So last year, if you remember, it was Jerry Judy and CeeDee Lamb, bar none. That, that was, you know, I always say everybody, and obviously there's somebody randomly that fucking puts these guys up at the top and they they strike gold. It's like It's like picking an upset. You know, a 15 seed in the in the tournament. Somebody somewhere picked them, and they go to the final four or whatever. But for the most part, it was Ceedee Lamb and, and J- Jerry Judy. And then out of nowhere, the Raiders, being the Raiders, pick the fastest guy on the board, like they've done multiple times, and they go with Henry Ruggs instead. Jalen Waddle in NFL circles, I think, is starting to climb the board and getting right behind Jamar Chase. And some teams I've heard actually have him as their number one product because of the speed for two speed and nobody's Tyreek Hill but if somebody is equivalent in this draft class it could potentially be Jalen Waddle and he has more skill sets than Henry Ruggs uh, offered coming out of Alabama as well last year with that four two speed as well on the other side here Devonta Smith 6'1 175 Heisman Trophy winner 117 catches, 1,856 yards, and 24 touchdowns at Alabama last year. Most career receiving touchdowns in SEC history with 46. That's 15 more than former Alabama Crimson Tide Amari Cooper at number two. Now, the knock across the board is that he's thin, he's skinny, he may not be able to hold up, yada, yada, yada. The reality is if you just put him side by side, you know he's about 10 pounds lighter than Jalen Waddell but he's three inches taller and I'm not sure in a particular skill set, if that's really going to matter that much. Yes. He could take a big hit from a big safety and go down, but guess what? Julio Jones is an absolutely absolute machine and Calvin Johnson, absolute machine, the prototypical wide receiver size, speed, strength. And those guys were nicked up their entire careers. So I don't want to knock him too much on that skill set wise. He's unbelievable. Gets open very fast. Great with hands, whatever. Jalen Waddle, Devonta Smith, both from Alabama. Jonathan, go ahead. The only thing about Jalen Waddle that scares me is that he's, I mean, look, Devonta Smith is even like, they're both going to put on weight. Let's just, we know they're going to put on weight, but they're skinny, man. They're coming in in like the one eighties. Really? Um, I think Devonta Smith, I know he's listed at one seventy five. I think he's, he's bigger than that. I really do. Um, but I put them both in the 180s. That kind of scares me. Smith's 6'1", so he's a little bit bigger. Um, but at 5'10", 182, like Sterling Shepard is 5'10", but he's 200 pounds, right? And honestly, like Waddle's much quicker, like you said. Like nobody – I think that he has the skill set of Sterling Shepard, but he has the speed of a, um, of a Henry Ruggs. And, like, that's scary, right, to think about with Jalen Waddle, but he's also incredibly injury-prone. We talked about this on our previous podcast together, Sky. Um, I know that that's sort of a non-starter because every 
athlete is injury prone at some point, especially at the highest level when they're playing at the best of their position. But Jalen Waddle is like scary injury prone. He played with a broken foot. Like he was out for played without because did not play because of a broken foot last year. Um, and if you remember when he came back in the last game in the championship game, like everybody said that he shouldn't have played. Right. And he still, he pushed and he played and he caught some, he played some little dink routes of the flat flat. He ran some slants. They threw it up to him um, on dump downs. And like, he had some moments, but he was, he was, I mean, for all intents and purposes, he was waddling. Um, and, and you could tell that he just wasn't healthy. And even the, the broadcasters in that game, Reese Davis and Kirk Kerbstreet were talking about it. And I look, I'm not going to judge the kid. It was the national championship. He felt like he could play a Like he feels differently about this than how we perceive it on our ends. And so like, I'm not going to sit there and say like, Oh, he shouldn't have played. That was a bad decision, but it is a little worrisome to think about as a, as a potential NFL player, right? What if he's injured and he doesn't talk about it? You know, his, his decision-making, like, do you trust a guy in fantasy like that? Right. Um, probably not. So that's my concern with Waddle. Like I said, he's just, he's very, um, he's very fragile. And at 182 pounds, I don't, I don't know how much like he's going to be a, a a downfield threat for sure. Like when you when you set up you know a, a play action in man coverage and you need somebody to burn the defensive back in one on one downfield. But other than that, I think he's really going to be more of a special teams guy because I'm worried that if he gets hit in the open field by a linebacker, if he's running a slant up and he gets hit by one of these boys like T.J. Watt, like that's going to hurt. And he takes a couple of those, and I'm worried he's going to get injured. And that, to me, like it's almost a stay away. I want to see how he plays and how he's utilized and where he goes before I I sell myself on Jalen Waddle. Um, Devontae Smith, on the other hand, I'm 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 I love that guy. Like he is, he's phenomenal. He's like you talk about. He's six one and he's lightning fast. And like I said, I know he's listed at one seventy five. He's going to bulk up. Um, he's just a skinnier version of DK Metcalf. Like DK's huge. But if you take the skill set of DK Metcalf and you add a little speed to it, that's what Devontae Smith is, or that's what he showed in college. Wow. And so that's what, like, Jamar Chase is the most pro-ready right now. Devontae Smith has the highest ceiling in this draft by far. Wow, that's interesting. I think that's a, I think that's a somewhat of a hot take, only because, again, I think the concerns are more on the Devontae Smith side than Jalen Waddle. I just looked up Tyreek Hill because people are trying to compare somebody to Tyreek Hill every draft. Nobody's Tyreek Hill. And nobody else has Patrick Mahomes. That's the most important part of this. But Jalen Waddle, 5'10, 182 listed. Tyreek Hill, 5'10, 185. <laughs> so exactly the same size. But right. you look at you look at Tyreek Hill, dude is swole. He's big. He he is a thick wide receiver for his size and Jalen Waddle isn't right now. Now look, Tyreek Hill has five years on Jalen Waddle and NFL workouts and stuff. So these guys should bulk up, but I agree with you. We'll see what happens there. I'm more concerned about Devonta Smith and Jalen Waddle. Both of these guys are going to be interesting. A lot of Alabama talents, obviously we, we get pretty much two a year at this point coming out of Alabama in the first round. Um, but look, we'll see what Jerry Judy struggled mightily in Denver because of the quarterback situation and drops. Henry Ruggs had injuries and didn't have a lot of opportunity because he landed on the Raiders. We can be infatuated with any of these prospects all day long. If they land in the wrong spot, it won't be up to them. Julio Jones came in as a top prospect. They traded up to get him. He lands with Matt Ryan. He was behind Roddy White for a couple of years, but he made himself number one, became Julio Jones. A.J. Green, same thing with Cincinnati and a young Andy Dalton at the time. These guys can make themselves top prospects, but it's going to be really, really important that they land in the right spots. And again, if you're at the top of the draft, you're going to bad teams for the most part uh, because that's why they're up there. Now, the 49ers had moved up. Miami's improving. Atlanta's improving. Um, but again, I just be careful with, with these uh, – with these prospects here when we get down. All right, let's take a quick break and then we'll get into a chunk of wide receivers here. Let's give a shout out to the Jersey jungle. Y'all know I love the Jersey jungle. I have a number of jerseys from them. I have an order in the mail on its way to my house and I will share those jerseys as they come in the Jersey jungle DM them on Instagram at the Jersey jungle to order authentic 
game similar jerseys. These are stitch and twill. They are not iron pressed on. They do not run off in the in the wash. Stitch and twill, they fit fantastic. Y'all have heard about and you've seen on YouTube my Justin Herbert baby blue jersey. It's beautiful. Fits very, very nicely. Uh, again, the logos, the nameplate, the numbers are stitch and twill, just like the players have on the field. Use the promo code TCK to receive 10% off of one or two jerseys, 15% off of three jerseys. NFL stitch and twill jerseys on NFL.com are $120. You can look it up right now. On the Jersey Jungle, they start at $65 with this sponsorship. And if you use the TCK promo code, they take 10 or 15% off of that as well. You can quite literally get three jerseys for less than potentially one jersey off of NFL.com. And they don't just have football jerseys. They have baseball, world soccer, hockey, and basketball as well. Throwback, they have customs. Check them out. Hit up the Jersey Jungle on Instagram. DM them at the Jersey Jungle, tell them Sky sent you from the TCK pod and use the promo code TCK to get 10 to 15% off of your jerseys. All right, Jonathan, let's get back into this here. We're going to start rallying off maybe three or four at a time again, as we've been doing uh, to save time a little bit and, and breaking all these players down. Of course, we can talk about everybody for hours, but let's maybe pick a player from this group. Give me your your feedback. I'm going to do the same thing, and then we'll maybe have a, a a tidbit or two on the rest of them. Sure. So we'll go with Rondale Moore out of Purdue, Kadarius Tony out of Florida, Rashad Bateman out of Minnesota, and Terrace Marshall, Jamar Chase's teammate at LSU. So of that group, pick one of them that you're excited about: Rondale Moore, Kadarius Tony, Rashad Bateman, and Terrace Marshall. Probably Kadarius Tony. Um, we talked about it when we talked about Kyle Trask during the quarterback conversation, I like Kyle Trask is a good quarterback, but I think of the play around him. And I know that Kyle Pitts is, is the most talked about skill player in that, in uh, this year's Florida team. But Kadarius Tony was a big part of most of the touchdowns downfield. Um, and look, six, six foot one ninety three going up against sec talent defensively against big guys. Whenever you're playing and now look, Rondale Moore, I'm going to cut myself off here. Rashad Bateman is said to be like the biggest sleeper of this draft. Big boy, 6'2", 210, like played at Minnesota. And we also talked about, I like to say that the Big Ten is a comparable defensive conference to the SEC. So when you have guys coming out of the Big Ten, I don't know if they're as used to it as guys from the SEC because some week you're playing, you know, there's a there's definitely a team now, Vanderbilt exists in uh in the sec but like i think that not every single defense in the big 10 is dominant but the sec for the most part outside of vanderbilt they really are no matter where you're playing so Kadarius tony i think is the most pro ready out of this group of of uh wide receivers that you just gave me um did you say terrence terrace marshall yes okay sorry wow i thought we were just talking about bateman tony more Terrace Marshall, as Kadarius Tony, the two SEC guys. Let's just go with the two SEC guys. What Terrace Marshall did with a rotating quarterback crew at LSU last year was really impressive. Um, if you look at games against Texas A&M, um, even when they played Alabama, right? Like there were moments, even against Vanderbilt when they actually won. LSU was not very good this season. They couldn't throw the ball downfield. But against teams that were pretty well-developed defensively, they did a good job. Remember when they beat Florida? Remember, I mean, I know the shoe was thrown on the field to end that game, but like Terrace Marshall, that was his like that. He threw a haymaker at the end of that game on the scoreboard by catching a big touchdown, right? Like this guy has big play potential. He's been in the big moments um, and he's worked well with it within a system that was pretty, pretty broken last year. And to me, that's a lot of maturity. Darius Tony, like I said, elevated Kyle Trask game and you can rely on him. Kind of reminds me of Michael Pittman um, over with the, uh, the Colts, who I was very high on last year out of USC. Um, but Terrace Marshall also, like 6'3", 200. Like, this guy is almost a tight end that you're going to throw out there as your wide receiver, and he's going to muscle his way for many yards after couch. So those yeah. are the two guys that stand out to me. Bateman, Moore, I don't know what to make of Moore. You know, he went to Purdue. He was really productive, but he was – I mean, his usage was super high for two different quarterbacks during that that time there. So – um, he's good. He has a lot of tangibles, but I like the SEC wide receivers better. Fair enough. And it's it's hard to turn away from the SEC. And 
that almost tastes bad coming out of our mouth. You and I are, are Pac-12 guys, but the reality is the SEC is the SEC. Um, I, I agree with you. I, my favorite wide receiver from this group is probably Terrace Marshall also, but because we're looking at Jamar Chase and it's LSU, I'm going to actually put put a little more shine on Rashad Bateman uh, as well. So Minnesota, you mentioned 6'2", 210. Uh, he did opt out of basically like the last handful of games of 2020. So played about half a season. We're not going to count that so much. Minnesota played very well, uh, especially early. In 2019, though, he was third in the nation in yards per catch. So yards per reception behind only C.D. Lamb, first-round pick, Jamar Chase, top five pick potentially, and Rashad Bateman, number three. So the potential is there. There's also a lot of comps to his teammate that I think he will outpace quickly. But Tyler Johnson, who I think is going to be a star in the league eventually, (laughs) but to his credit now, because he has a Super Bowl ring and he's playing with the greatest quarterback of all time and two excellent wide receivers, he's buried on the Buccaneers depth chart. But in a couple of games and a few drives throughout the season when Mike Evans was out or Chris Godwin was out for the Bucs, Tom Brady trusts him early, and he peppered him. And uh, Tyler Johnson, another big-body receiver, did well for the Buccaneers. So if Rashad Bateman is at least Tyler Johnson, I think he's going to be great, and I think he's actually going to outpace him quite a bit moving forward. You mentioned Terrace Marshall, biggest wide receiver in this class, 6'3", 200, possession uh, possession receiver, deep threat, ran a 4-3. Um, at six three, which is pretty scary. So, multiple skill sets there. Um, and then Kadarius Tony, it's kind of ridiculous, especially when you're talking fantasy football, to compare anybody to the Antonio Brown. Um, however, I think Kadarius Tony's skill set is Antonio Brown esque. Uh, started Antonio Brown basically started as a kick returner, punt returner, got on the field behind Heinz Ward and Michael Wallace, uh, and Pittsburgh, and then five years later became Antonio Brown. I don't think people realize that. And Kadarius Tony is great after the catch. So he's one of these bubble screen, uh, you know, quick slant guys that can, can do a lot of damage. Demarius Thomas for years with, with the Broncos and Peyton Manning was excellent at like Debo Samuel stuff, you know, catching behind the line of scrimmage and making something happen after that in space. I think that's Kadarius Tony's game and Rondale Moore, I think is going to be special, but he worries me because of the injury history. Unfortunately, he only played seven games total in 2019 and 20 yeah. combined. Second fastest 40 in the class, 4-3-2. So you'll love the speed. 114 cat, uh, catches, 1,200 yards, and 14 touchdowns um, in 2018 uh, as a uh, sophomore. So he's got the potential, but the injury concern scares me a little bit there. But this is a great group here. If, if you don't get some of these top guys in Dynasty, Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddell, Devonta Smith, this second grip here with more Tony Bateman and Marshall, I think is awesome. And again, the farther they fall down the draft, the better teams they're going to run on. So unless, unlike Tyler Johnson, they get buried behind somebody. Like if one of these guys fell in Atlanta, they're not going to do anything until Julio Jones leaves. But if they fall in Philadelphia, Detroit, they could become bona fide starters immediately. And um, I like to see that there. Okay, let's get into another grip here and we'll take another commercial break. Elijah Moore, Ole Miss, Dwayne Eskridge, Talon Wallace, and let's go with uh, Amari Rogers in this next one for Clemson. We'll save the next group for later. So Elijah Moore out of Ole Miss, Dwayne Eskridge, Western Michigan, Talon Wallace, Oklahoma State, and Amari Rogers out of Clemson. I mean, you always got to give love to the guys out of the group of five schools, right? Western Michigan, go Mustangs. Dwayne Eskridge is a, a solid, solid guy. You talk about a guy with a with a skill set emblematic of uh, Antonio Brown, Dwayne Eskridge is there too. Now look, talk about it all the time, right? Talent in college like only goes so far. You have to make sure that you're playing against talent consistently. Otherwise, it's going to be a skewed. Like your numbers could be skewed. Uh, you're not playing against great defenses. And that's the conversation with Trey Lance, right? When, whenever we talk about Trey Lance, oh, FCS, FCS quarterback only has limited tape. Um, hasn't really played top defenses, but the tangibles are there. Same with Dwayne Eskridge, right? If he didn't play at Western Michigan, if he put up these numbers in an SEC school or went to the Pac-12 or uh, Big Ten, one of the Power Fives, or even like a, a Boise State or UCF, I think that he would be much higher up. 
So I'm going to show some love to Dwayne Eskridge. Of this group, though, I don't think he's the best. Uh, I just wanted to point him out because sometimes these guys, I think he's going to get picked. I think he's going to get picked surprisingly high. Dwayne Eskridge is who we're talking about, and I think people are going to be surprised. So I just want to put that out there in, in case that happens because he's a guy that could go higher um, than some of the aforementioned wide receivers. Um, of this group, I'm a big old Miss guy. I, it's it's weird. Like as I further myself from my my previous life in college, um, I find myself appreciating programs outside of Oregon and the big t- uh, the the Pac-12 a little bit. Um, and I I mean like I hated Lane Kiffin at USC. Man, I was a Trojan fan at the time. We were ta- always talking about how like it was like we were crashing in the in the wrong lane or we, USC needed to make a lane change. Like there were all these like fun little idioms that we would make to talk about the terrible tenure that was Lane Kiffin at USC. Um, and then USC got O at O and they let him go. So maybe it was, it wasn't Lane Kiffin. That was the problem. Maybe it was the school. Anyways, my point here with this is now I, I love Lane Kiffin. I think at Ole Miss, he's awesome. Matt Corral, their quarterback, shout out Southern California recruit, um, is going to be a top three or four quarterback, probably in the next draft class. Uh, with that being said, I think Elijah Moore, like another guy, 5'9", 185, emblematic of that Antonio Brown uh, sort of skill set, kind of reminds me a little bit of McCole Hardman, which I know is like a the, the, the quote poor man's Tyreek Hill, but I think Hardman, like he had, he's more dynamic, like he could run short routes, he can run in the flat, like he's, you can utilize him more than just in downfield sets, and, and that's how I see Elijah Moore, but he's also really fast, and like you're going to see a pass go super far down and you're not going to know who it's going to be. And it's going to be Elijah Moore. Right. So that, that's the kind of wide receiver that he can be. Um, who else did you mention? You went down to, I love Amari Rogers also like this guy is a beast. Five, 10, two, 10. He's bigger, a little bigger, a little bit bigger, but again, coming out of Clemson, ACC defenses were a little bit better over the course of the last three years, I would say. Um, so he's played much better talent. Um, and he played with, Trevor Lawrence, which you can make a case like, look, Trevor Lawrence is going to elevate the, the talent around him. Um, but when he's throwing the seven receivers and they're all getting equal opportunity to separate yourself from the pack is impressive. And Amari Rogers was able to do that. And so I think that that's going to make him valuable uh, as well in this group. I think this is a great call. And um, it's interesting. We keep bringing up Antonio Brown. And I know that some, some people – Antonio Brown now, unfortunately, has a stigma because the last couple of years with the Raiders and we're everything that went down with him. Personal level, yeah. No, not not at all. But 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 we're also like he had a five year stretch in fantasy football in the NFL where he was literally the best wide receiver in in the game. Period. But he had three or four years before that where he was irrelevant, and then he's had the last two or three years where you know he had a few good catches. Tom Brady got him a signing bonus at the end of the year. He technically gets a ring with the Buccaneers, but. He's fallen off tremendously. I think what we're saying is skill set wise can play that slot. I, I think you hit it on the head with all these guys. I'll just go down the list quickly sure. to reiterate. Elijah Moore, I'll start there with Ole Miss. Look, DK Metcalf, uh, AJ Brown, last two Ole Miss <laughs> wide receivers, looking pretty good there. Uh, he, you know, Elijah Moore's not those two guys physically, but they have strong, scrappy wide receivers that are fast. Again, playing in the SEC, so you're playing NFL cornerbacks in the SEC, and he's playing the slot, playing very, very well, long speed. I like that a lot. Um, He's my – Elijah Moore is my favorite slot receiver in this draft, and I think he's going to be great. Like, if he went to Atlanta, he won't in the top picks, obviously. But if a guy like Elijah uh, Moore ended up with Atlanta, who already have um, Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones on the outside, uh, or he landed in – you know, um, uh, Los Angeles, um, either the Chargers or the Rams or something, and they have that bona fide slot receiver. I think it would be absolutely nasty there. So I love Elijah Moore. Dwayne Eskridge, very, very fast, kind of underwhelming with a 40 at his pro day, 4-4. Now, look, any normal human running a 4-4 is absolutely phenomenal. But when you're thought of as one of the fastest wide receivers in the draft class, you're looking at 4-2s, 4-3s, slowest. Running a 4-4 is actually underwhelming for somebody that comes in with the speed pedigree. Look, game speed and running in shorts, we all know, is a lot different. I th- he's going to be just fine. But I think that was something that people were like, huh. So anyway, a little bit underwhelming on that. Um, he played corner at West for, uh, Western Michigan, excuse me, before moving to wide receiver in 2020. I love this. I think this is a 
this is a uh, something that I think goes like NFL scouts know this stuff, NFL teams know this stuff. We never talk about it in fantasy circles because we don't care about cornerbacks. What I care about, though, as an individual and a, a pro football player at the next level as a wide receiver, he knows what cornerbacks are thinking, right? I love Caleb Farley, who's a cornerback for Virginia Tech. We don't talk about him in fantasy football. He's going to be a top pick, and he's one of my favorite NFL players already coming in this draft because he played wide receiver for years, and they moved him to corner. So he already knows what the wide receiver's thinking, what the wide receiver's going to do in certain situations, knows the moves to react as a corner. Flip that, and a guy like Dwayne Eskridge, who played cornerback, now has a better anticipation of what the wide receiver might do in a particular, or excuse me, the cornerback might do in a, in a particular situation. I like that a lot as well. Talon Wallace, big possession receiver, six foot one ninety, plays bigger than he is. I've heard comps to like uh, Allen Robinson type, not a crazy burner, uh, but he's going to get your first downs. AJ Green type, he's going to set up. You know, DeAndre Hopkins is absolutely dominant in the NFL. He is probably the thirtieth fastest wide receiver in the NFL. He's not a speed guy. He's dominant. He has hands. He's aggressive, and I think Tylen Wallace offers that. And Amari Rogers, um, you know, my notes here say uh, running back uh, Travis Etienne led the team in yards and scrimmage yards, but Rogers led the team in receiving yards and receptions. And I just think back to the pedigree and the the family tree, if you will, of Clemson wide receivers forever. And New Hopkins is one of them. Sammy Watkins back in the day. Uh, so many of these wide receivers have been absolutely dominant at the NFL level. And I think Amari Rogers is somebody who, again, senior coming out well, you know, ripe, if you will. And I think he's going to be just fine, 5'10", 210. Amari um, Rogers is kind of a sleeper in this draft class, in my opinion. Played with Trevor Lawrence, so it's another one of those. Did Trevor Lawrence make him better than he was, or did Amari Rogers help Trevor Lawrence increase him, right? One of those chicken or egg situations, but I like Amari Rogers a lot in this middle class here who will probably be a day two pick. Um, but I think will again, will help a potentially a playoff team uh, fill one of those gaps. And then we have one more shout out and then we will uh, get into our final break here. I want to give a quick shout out. We'll give Jonathan a quick water break here. Shouts out to our friends at bomb banana, new sponsor, Use the promo code TCK to get 10% off of your order. Bomb banana hot sauce, banana-based hot sauce. This is banana-based, not banana-flavored. They sent me a handful of them, and they're absolutely delicious. I have my girls try them out. They love them. They have a mild version. They have a spicy version with the muy muy. Absolutely fantastic. want to give a shout-out to Bomb Banana Hot Sauce. Started and founded at the University of Michigan. Shouts out to our boy Charlie Moss. Go Blue. Their hot sauce is absolutely must-have for draft day parties. We have NFL draft coming up next week. We have fantasy football drafts coming up in a couple months. We have big games. Use it for any sport, any occasion. We're excited about that. You put it on pizza, nachos, wings, literally any dip, and it will increase the boring flavor of party foods. They have the sweet chili-based combo that's providing kind of that restaurant-quality flavor. They also have... The Mui Mui, again, it's a spicier version for those of you that like the hotter version. I actually tried the Mui Mui. I'm not a big spice guy, but it was a perfect balance of zip, but also just taste. I put it all over my dinner last night. It was absolutely fantastic. We're super excited to officially be part of Bomba Nation. Hit them up, hashtag Bomba Nation, and we hope you will join us. Head over to their website, www.seekthespice.com. Use our promo code TCK at checkout for 10% off of your order. Once again, Bomb Banana, banana-based hot sauce. Absolutely fantastic. Jonathan, you're familiar with Bomb Banana hot sauce. We've talked about it. You're a spice guy. We talked about your favorite party food. You're going to go with the wings here. Is there any chance that you would like spicy foods um, and fruit? And I mentioned this because you talk about like some like uh, delicious drinks and stuff like that, like mango lattes, which is a great, you know, uh, Latin dish um, and a smoothie uh, is spicy. I'm curious, man. I might have to go with like a, a banana strawberry smoothie and put a little bit of the hot sauce in there. Do you think that's insane or do you think that would amplify the fruit no, flavor in the sweet? No, no, I'm with it. I'm with it. I like the, like the fruity to spicy combination. You know nice. what I really like? I'm not, I don't like tequila. I really don't like tequila. So I will, 
we'll talk alcohol is tequila. You get alcohol is tequila. <laughs> All the great taste of tequila without any of the the crappy side effects. But you know, like you put tequila, you get like a fruity drink. There's tequila inside. And you you coat the uh, the the rim of the cup with tahini. Yes, like, love that Middle Eastern like exactly peppery, um, seasoning. Like that to me, like you could do that with any fruity drink. You can get it with a pina colada. I mean, it doesn't have to be non-alcoholic, of course, but um, but that's really that's my kind of like I like the fruitiness, but I like that just that little bit of of spice, that flavor, because it really unleashes like other notes. I, I dude, you hit the nail on the head. I love that. I love that. And I'm I'm going to do this. And maybe I'll have to do it for the next for the next episode. I'll have to hit a, a smoothie, put a yep. little hot sauce in there and hit it up. Once again, bomb banana hot sauce. Bam. This is the muy muy a little bit hotter, but it is absolutely delicious. Okay, buddy. We got a couple more here and then we're going to get out of here. We got four more wide receivers. There's a plenty, there's plenty of other guys in here again. So if I skip over one, like we did with the running backs, if I skip over your guy, feel free to jump in and give him a shout out. I want to highlight though, Amon Ross St. Brown out of USC. Uh, Deami Brown, who's my guy, North Carolina, Seth Williams out of Auburn, his teammate, Anthony Swartz out of Auburn as well. I believe there might be somebody I didn't mention that you want to talk to, but either way, Amon Ross St. Brown, Deami Brown, Seth Williams, and Anthony Swartz out of Auburn. Who do you like out of this group? Um, Amon Ross St. Brown could be the best wide receiver that isn't Jamar Chase or Devontae. Yikes. Fire that see that's like that's like bomb banana hot sauce right out of the mouth. That was fantastic. that's like if they took if they made the mui mui, but they had like ghost pepper. Oh damn! Mui yeah, mui yeah. Plus mui mui extra hot. It's like a black label. That's that's where what I'm picturing right now. I'll have to awesome. I'll have to uh my people reach out to their people and, and let them know. And we'll get. I was gonna 10%. say we they should sponsor the hot take <laughs> segment and love I, it. You know, you know the the cinnamon challenge. We'll just do the bomb banana challenge instead. Every time there's a hot take. Now, I'm if taking, I'm right, now if I'm right, I get free. I want bomb banana for life. That's what I'm I want. Ta- I'm taking notes right now. We're on that. <laughs> this is recorded. Like this is on the record stuff. Um, USC has a look. Every year I talk about USC wide receivers. Now I was right about Michael Pittman. Okay, so far, so far. We're going to see how that offense is next season. We'll see if there's a new – who's going to replace – there is going to be a new quarterback. We're going to see who replaces Philip Rivers. Um, but Michael Pittman established himself as a very viable number two option last year in that offense towards the end of the season. And he would have had that – like perhaps the biggest touchdown for the Colts if the – I think it was, what, an overthrow in the wild card game, right, in the back of the end zone or one, one something like that. It was just like, yeah, Philip Rivers missed the throw and Twitter freaked out. Um but Michael Pittman was in position. He did everything he could. He's a great route runner, big hands, big boy. He could take hits. He's he's establishing himself as a viable option. So props out to uh, to our boy, Michael Pittman out of USC. Brother Micah out of Oregon, in two years. I hope he doesn't go next year, but he might have a good enough season too. But in two years, this guy is also going to be in that conversation. I'll sit, sit here and talk about the same thing with, with uh, Micah. But um, in terms of St. Brown, brother plays for the Packers. Other brother Osiris is up in uh, Stanford right now. He's he's just he's a I think he's the Z. I think he's a slot receiver up in Stanford. Um, but for Amon Ra, I mean, this guy played with arguably the most talented wide receiving core in the nation for a guy in the air raid offense and led his team right. Like Drake London was talked about most because he was the guy who nobody really knew coming out of this, coming into the season and exploded onto the scene. But Amon Ross St. Brown was the best wide receiver in the biggest moments, probably nationally, outside of Chris Olave at Ohio State. Like, truthfully, like this guy, go back and watch the game. USC won on the final possession in like four or five of their games. And in three of those games, Amon Ross St. Brown caught the game time, game winning or game tying touchdown, and then they got the two point conversion. Like, and it, it, it transcends his, his skill, like, level transcends just college like he was a five star out of he was the number two consensus wide receiver out of modern day high school he was jt daniels he and jt daniels were freshmen starting at modern day and won a national championship like this guy had a, was averaging 110 yards per game his freshman year 130 yards his sophomore year 140 yards his senior his junior and 130 something yards and this was a guy a team with 
like four and five stars across the board at wide yeah. receiver. And he was the most relied on guy. USC is the same story, right? He was a freshman. Nelson, uh, I think Nelson Aguilar was. A, and now look at Nelson Aguilar, by the way, two years, $26 million in, in New England. That guy, say all you what you want. He's getting paid and he's he's going to be <laughs> an option for Cam Newton probably on that team, which is crazy to think about. But there he is. Marquise Lee burned out. Um, Robert Woods is very is a very good wide receiver with the Rams. Like this team has Juju, Juju is really Adoree Jackson is. I mean, like he was a free agent, but he was signed, and I know he wasn't a receiver coming out of into the NFL. He was a receiver in college. Um, he very table on Austin, like very much like Tutu Outwell, who we could talk about if you want. Um, but so St. Brown, I mean, look, this guy is going to carve himself into a wide receiver two role right off the bat, no matter where he goes. That's I truly believe that because he's going to be put in a situation like that um, or he won't. And he's going to work his butt off because that's what he's always done to be the most likable guy for the quarterback. And then eventually that role will be carved out for him. So I love St. Mm-hmm. Brown. Um, Deami Brown is also really good. He looks pro ready, man. Like that's my guy. Looked- that's, I, I just I don't I, I'm trying to I'm looking up articles I'm trying to watch extra control. YouTube yeah. takes like I'm trying to find out why he is so far down the list. This is just what happens. Like North Carolina, I get it, and you know I mean shouts out Mitch Trubisky for putting their football team on the map, I guess. But <laughs> what I mean again, like I don't get it. Like I he, okay, I'm just gonna go off. I'm sorry. He's my guy. I'm gonna take him out of this group. Deami Brown, deep threat. I think a lot of people, though, are starting to pigeonhole deep threats as like one trick ponies. And yes, there are deep threats like John Ross. Okay. He runs super fast. If he catches the ball like he did for two games with Cincinnati last year, he has 150 yards and two touchdowns every game if it worked out. But he doesn't do a lot else. So he's a one trick pony. Deshaun Jackson was that guy for most of his career. Will Fuller was that guy for most of his career. They can do other things, though. Henry Ruggs. Not just that guy, but that's how they tried to use him in in Las Vegas last year, and that didn't work at all. Michael Wallace was a great uh, version of that for years. Um, Now, De'Ami Brown, though, to me, when I watch him, yes, most of his tape is deep throws, and most of his tape is just big plays, and that's what he does well. But he's six foot one eighty five. He can be a possession guy, in my opinion. He's going to beat slot corners if they put him in the slot, like a big wide receiver, like a Keenan Allen, Devontae Adams. When you put those guys in the slot, it's a mismatch off the bat. And I like that a lot for a, a guy like De'Ami Brown. Um, I'm just I'm trying to find red flags for him, and other than he's really good at deep routes and doesn't do other stuff in his route tree in that conversation, that to me holds no weight anymore because DK Metcalf broke the mold. And I'm not saying De'Ami Brown is DK Metcalf in any form, but DK Metcalf came in last year, was way down draft boards, runs the 40 of his life, changes everything, gets drafted high, runs nine routes as a rookie, and then they open up the route tree as a sophomore in the NFL, and he absolutely explodes. I think the same thing's going to happen to De'Ami Brown. They're going to put him out there to run nine routes. He's going to be really good at it, but he's going to have limited work. They're going to open up the route tree as a sophomore later on as a second, third-year player, and I think he's going to really impress. So I'm just – I'm super high on De'Ami Brown. He's way down the list on everybody's board. I'm not saying he should be up there with Waddle and Chase and and Smith. You know, don't hear what I'm not saying. But I do think he's going to be straight up a steal on day two for a team like – look, if the Packers run into De'Ami Brown in the second round or even the third round – to me, that's that's an absolute robbery, and I think he's going to help out a team, absolutely. Seth Williams and Anthony Swartz for Auburn, both deep threats also. Anthony Swartz ran the fastest 40 at 4.27. Uh, Seth Brown also you know, a deep threat there. And then to your point, Tutu Atwell, top slot option as well. He came in and weighed in. We have him as 165 on the list because that was originally what it was coming into pro days. He weighed in at 149. Jonathan, one forty nine. I mean, we're talking about we're talking about Devontae Smith being skinny. Like Tutu Atwell is small; he's compact. Now, I'm not saying he can't be productive. Tariq Cohen, man. Tariq Cohen, but Tariq Cohen's a running back. If Tutu Atwell is strictly a wide receiver, which I'm not sure he will be, Tutu Atwell is going to become Darren. Great Sproul. punt returner, great kick returner, Darren's a Sproul. slot guy, and a, and a hybrid like uh, who? Who am I thinking they're, about? Um, they're going to put him. He's a guy that you could throw into the Baltimore offense in that little pistol that they do sure. where, they, where they load up the backfield and you could have him as one of your triple options. Like that's I, the guy that 
that's who you want. You put him in the wildcat and just let him go go free or jet sweep. Like he's your jet sweep guy. I love that. And you know, shouts out to the Beavs. I'll give a I'll give a, a nod here to uh Jacquez Rogers, <laughs> who came in very small but productive. And he had some big runs. He was hard to tackle in the middle of the field. Now, look, if he took big hits, it was no good because he's t- tiny compared to everybody else. But he's shifty, good feet. Tutu Atwell can certainly get it done out of the slot there with separation. So Almond Ross St. Brown, Diami Brown, the Auburn receiver, Seth Williams, and Anthony Swartz. And then a shout-out to Tutu Atwell as well. Jonathan, are there any other wide receivers we didn't cover that you wanted to give a shout-out to? Good luck to everybody. I mean, this is – you could be a great wide receiver and just end up in a bad situation, get stashed on a bench, never get thrown to, and you're never heard from again. And that's just yep. the nature of his position, and it sucks. And we talk about how running backs are hard to evaluate. Wide receivers are hard, just as hard or harder. And unfortunately, there's more wide receivers than any other skill position at the field on the field at one time offensively. So there's there's a lot of command C, command V going on, and you just have to decipher which ones are the best ones. And it's tough, um, but all of these guys have made it into the conversation. So no matter what, you know, I, I hope that they all are the best and that they all Love have, that. you know, success. But in terms of fantasy, like we talked about the ones I think are going to have value. I hope that, you know, I hope that there are ones that we didn't talk about that we can s- soon talk about that do have value. Um, and we'll see what happens. It's going to be really, really interesting. Different teams have different needs and evaluate this position differently. And there's going to be surprises. I'm telling you right now, there's going to be surprises. Guys that we, this is the position. We're going to be wrong about, very wrong about some guys. We're going to be very right. And then there are going to be guys that come onto the scene that we've never heard of. So it's going to be fun. This is going to be a fun one for wide receivers. You're muted, Sky. Oh, sorry about that. Julian Edelman just retired. Um, You know, you can make a case that he's a Hall of Famer. You can make a case he's not a Hall of Famer. doesn't matter. Phenomenal wide receiver for a really long time. Very productive when it matters in the playoffs for the best quarterback ever and Super Bowls, yada, yada. Reliable, tough as nails, deep threat-ish, over the slot, whatever. Julian Edelman was a seventh-round pick. Corey Davis, who didn't, I mean, really disappointed in NFL terms and fantasy circles for sure for his first four or five years in the NFL until last year. Number five overall. Fifth round, or sorry, fifth pick overall when he was drafted. Devontae Parker, similar career path, number 14 overall. So again, landing spot matters, staying healthy matters, scheme matters, quarterback comparison matters, and the competition around you. That seems obvious, but I feel like too many people, and look, I'm talking the big networks too, too many people who are telling us the information that we all soak up and try to absorb don't take enough consideration into coaching scheme the talent around these players, where they land. It's just a matter of this guy is very, very good on tape. This guy has the intangibles. He's fast as shit, and he you know, looks very good on tape in college. Awesome. We see it every year that those really great guys don't pan out, and we see that the guys that nobody's paying attention to do excel. Antonio Brown was not thought of as anybody in college. Came in as a punt returner and made his made his meet. So just keep that in mind when you're looking at uh, running backs and wide receivers watching the NFL draft coming up next week, seeing where these guys land. We have the tight ends and a mock draft coming up on the next episode. One more with Jonathan. And then, of course, after the NFL draft, we will be covering all of these all over again. And we'll be talking about the actual fantasy implications once they actually land. Jonathan, three down, one to go, my man. I really appreciate you jumping on. Make sure you check out my good brother, Jonathan Rifkin, on Twitter at Jonathan Rifkin, his name. Jonathan, first name, last name, Rifkin, R-I-F-K-I-N-D. Make sure you follow the Candlestick Kids on Facebook at Fantasy Football underscore TCK Pod. You can find us on TikTok and on Facebook at TCK Pod. And you can follow me on Twitter at my name, Sky Guasco, S-K-Y-G-U-A. S-C-O. Leave a rate and review anywhere you're listening to your podcast. We much appreciate that. And give us a subscribe and a thumbs up right here on YouTube. And leave us a message down in the comments of which of the top guys that we talked about, wide receivers, you're not as high on. And which of the lower guys that we talked about. I love De'Ami Brown. Jonathan's high on Amon Ross St. Brown. How do you feel about one of these deeper guys that might actually pan out to end up being a top name we talk about in the next couple of seasons? It's been an absolute pleasure. Episode 382 in the books. Jonathan and I will be back with you for tight ends 
and a mock draft next episode. Enjoy the rest of your day, and we'll catch you next time on the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast, a.k.a. TCK Pod. From my good man, Jonathan Rifkin, I'm your host, Sky Guasco, and we are out of here. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.